<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. I'm Mick Garrison. This is the all-new Fun Size Postmortem AMA feature, Ask Mick Anything. This is our opportunity to answer any questions you might have, and we'll be doing this every other week between our regular postmortem interview shows. You can submit your questions to our producer, Joe Russo, on Twitter at Joe Russo Tweets and at Instagram at Joe Russo 1290. Joe has some of your questions now, Joe. Yeah, so how does it feel to be on the slab yourself, Mick? Uh, I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm bleeding. I'm bleeding. That's, that's my question. Okay. Um, all right, so let's, well, let's get into the mailbag, and, and we'll start with uh, one that I, I think is an easy one. I'm going to throw you a softball to start, which okay. is, uh, do you have any books that you're writing coming up? Ah, well, I've just finished a book that I'm copy editing now, a book of four novellas, a brand new one. Uh, the newest novella is called Free. The uh, book is called Awful People, and I'm Ooh. just now finishing it up. That sounds very salacious. <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, four no novellas and uh, all of varying degrees of darkness. I expect nothing else than an anthology from you. So. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be my life is defined by anthology these days. All right, well, let's, let's go into one that's a little bit tougher, but I think, I think it's interesting. I think it's worth talking about. Uh, you and I both work in the industry, and, and you much longer than I have, but we both know that there's a lot of ups and there's a lot of downs. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and some of our readers want to know, how do you stay creatively motivated through all of those kind of roller coaster rides? Well, it's really because I don't do this to make a living. I do this because I love it. I mean, I've been lucky enough to make my living making films and television and, and doing things like this. But my passion is for telling stories. It's doing the podcast has been great. That came out of just having a period of inactivity in production and deciding I wanted to do something that I had done in the past and bring it up to date, starting with the postmortem TV show. But I'm always writing. It's why I write books, too, because yeah. no matter how much screenwriting you do, probably 90% of what you write is not going to get made, even if it's bought. Um, and I love the process of screenwriting. I love the process of filmmaking. But you can't choose when you do it. It's, right. it's such right. an up and down thing. Right. Well, especially like directing. I mean, the writing is something you can do any any time you really want. Any time you can crack open a computer. Exactly, which is what I do. So I write books. I write spec screenplays all the time. And if they don't sell, uh, that's okay. Usually when, when I finish something and I send it off to someone... Rather than sit around and wait, I just try to dive into the next thing. Is that kind of what you try to do, too? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not as driven to do it because I have had a, a, a career doing this. And, you know, I'm older than you are. That, um, and so what I'm driven by is passion more than making a living. Totally. No, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Do you ever find 
I guess this is kind of just dovetailing off of this. I find writer's block. I've, I've heard you say that you don't really get it because you kind of just sit down and you start banging it out and, you know, you're like, ha, ha, ha I don't get it. Good, for, ha, good ha, for you, ha. Mick. <laughs> Not ha, ha, but I don't. I've yeah. never, I, now this, I'll be cursing myself by saying it, but sure. I have never had writer's block. But I, I don't necessarily find it when I know what I'm writing. I always find for me, it's the periods in between trying to figure out what that next idea is going to be that that's usually where I would, if I had to call it blocked, that's what I would call it. What do you like? Are you, do you constantly have that many ideas keyed up that you can just sit down or is that a no, challenge? I, I almost always start over when I'm, when I'm doing it, you know, I, I sit down to write and I write and often I don't have an idea beyond just um, here's a thought or yeah. here's a character or yeah. something. And I yeah. sit down and write and, when your brain is doing the writing, that gets in your way. Right. When your fingers right. do the writing, then and you're on autopilot, that yeah. story is finding its way out of you. And it's in there. Yeah. And you don't if you have to conjure, if you have to work hard at conjuring it, you're gonna struggle all the way through, has been my thought. Yeah. I used to think Wow, if I took six months to write a screenplay, it would be so good. Well, if it took me six months, it's because it's been a struggle and it's going to suck. Yeah. How long does it usually take you to write a screenplay? Um, Usually about a month. Yeah. Yeah. That that feels about right usually for like a good solid draft. Yeah. 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 Um, And I I rarely outline first. I usually just sit down at page one and go. Do you have people that you send your material to for like trusted readers that you get feedback from or? Well, the first one is my wife, Cynthia. Well, that's, that, <laughs> um, I, I could understand and, why. Yes. <laughs> and, and uh, there are a handful of other writer friends that uh, sometimes I will send them to. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, that's your time of least confidence is when you're done. Yes. Yeah. You you can read it back and and go, oh, this works or I'm not so sure. So, yeah, you need the trusted reader, as Stephen King likes to call it. Yes. Yes. No, I I think I think it's a valuable part of the process. Uh, Do you when when do you because you've had reps for a long time and I know that this is something that. Uh, a lot of younger writers kind of struggle with is sometimes they finish something and they flip it right to their reps. I usually filter it through those readers, those trusted readers first. When do you bring your representatives in the process or how does that work in, in your experience? Pretty quickly after somebody, you know, if somebody takes a while to, to get around to it, I say, ah, never mind, let's just go. <laughs> um, and, you know, selling spec scripts these days is not what it used to be. It's much more difficult than it was. Um, And so often you just have to resign yourself to if, if nobody's door is open to it at the time, put it on the shelf, try later, or just go on to the next one. Um, Because I don't find that representatives representation necessarily does a good job at selling scripts. I think it's really more about relationships with producers or production companies that you've worked with before that sort of thing but um i also rarely go out and pitch something yes you and i had that conversation a couple weeks ago uh which which (laughs) when do you remember i guess do you think that was just a function of the fact that your first kind of writing gigs were on amazing stories and you were coming out of the spielberg camp and kind of thrust into the the writing world as a knighted by Stephen. Uh, well, yeah, but that came out of 
spec scripts I'd written. Right. You know, a spec script in particular was read by them. And when I'm writing something for myself, I don't have to do an outline first. If right. you're doing it on assignment for right. a studio or a show, um, then you have to outline every step of the way. Yeah. And it's just a matter of because writing is something I enjoy so much. Um, and if something I've written doesn't sell, it doesn't break my heart anymore. Right. You know, it used to because... Right. It's part of you. you right. know, it's part of who you are as a human being. Your art, your work, what you create is part of you. And it's hard not to take it personally right. if you take your work seriously and personally. Do you ever find that when uh, they don't sell, but you get to a point where you're like, oh, but it led to this, that, and the other, and, and therefore it was worth writing? They're uh, always worth writing, yeah. even if it doesn't lead to anything else. But you know, that spec script that led to me be hi being hired on Amazing Stories right. was worth it for that, even though it's never been made to this day. And that was, you know, 30 years ago. Do you, do you ever think, uh, oh, maybe that's one to reach back into the drawer and, and dust off and try to figure out? Or, or I do, because it was a period film that took place in the 50s, a yeah. script that took place in the 50s. And every now and then I'll do that. I'll show it to my agents or managers and they'll go, yeah, you know, this isn't what people are looking for right now. It's hard to sell period right now. <laughs> and right now it really is all about what people are looking for rather than going, here's something new and original. What do you think of this? 20 years ago, people were looking for new and original ideas. And yeah. these days it's franchises. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think when you're trying to break in as a writer, they are looking for those big, bold, original ideas. They then just want to hire you to right. work on the franchise thing. Right. Uh, <laughs> Not to make your big, bold, Right, yeah, no, no, no. They want to find the interesting idea. They want to find someone that they have, has a passion, has a voice, has something that excites them from the mundane, and then plug them into the mundane. <laughs> well, that's the most important thing that a hopeful screenwriter should know, is that what you write needs to stand out from the 30 other scripts that yeah. those studio executives take home every Friday. Right. Because they are going to get to page three or four yeah. and then toss it on the pile and go next. Oh, I, and I, I remember when, when I was an executive and I was reading, you know, dozens of scripts, scripts a week and I would, I would get home and, you know, you'd read something that tries to be like the $100 million action movie and it's just boring. It's, it's yeah. totally boring. And then you find this, you know, weird little oddball script and you're like, ooh, this is interesting. I want to meet with this person. Yes. And if you can write it with a voice, if you're a screenwriter with a voice that stands away from the, the rest of the herd, that is 10 points in your favor. Um, and, and it's a difficult thing to do. But if, you're, if you want to be a screenwriter to get rich and famous, you're not going to make it. No, I, I agree. You have, to, you have to be in it for the long game. It's not a lotto ticket thing. Yeah, because you love it. Yep. Because you love it, because you love telling stories, because you love movies, because you have a passion for it. And you can read that passion. You can read somebody who is doing it because they think this is going to be the next big franchise. And yeah. then you can read somebody who's got a vision and go, wow, I really want to see what this man or woman has to say. Yeah. Well, you know, there was one other question that, that maybe we'll, we'll, before we wrap up, we'll, we'll dive into this one, but they, they basically asked, you know, do you feel that you should derive inspiration for horror stories from 
other real life experiences, not just from within the genre? And I know the answer to this already, <laughs> yeah. but you should say it for the record, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, quite simply, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, a good horror story is first a good story, and good stories are based in human drama and in characters that you yeah. can identify with and that you, you feel a kinship with and feel that you could have those experiences. And the more deeply emotionally rooted they are, whether it's fear or pain or joy or love or passion, those things reflected in a good story that also manage to layer in uh, elements of horror and, and fear uh, that are organic to the story. That's what it's all about. I could care, couldn't care less about a genre film that all it is is a genre film. Do you find that when you sit down to write, you have to have those themes and ideas in your head uh, before you get going? Or is it something in retrospect you kind of say, oh, this is maybe what I was scratching at and then go in the rewriting process, try to bring it out more? I try and do it in the, in the first pass because that's where the inspiration comes. Yeah, And, uh, you know, I... I don't really plan. I'm looking for it. I'm yeah. uh, I'm reading it as I'm going along too. But right. you know that story is telling itself through me, and that's when it's working. Like I said earlier, and and uh, if I'm trying to figure out the plot points first, that's going to take a lot of the joy of the process away from me. Right. Yeah. No. That sense of discovery and and cracking a scene can be. Just because you're the first person to see it. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And and then you feel like, oh, I can't wait to show somebody this. Yeah. You know? Well, cool. Well, on that note, I guess we'll wrap up our first ever postmortem AMA. That's right. The Fun Size Show. <laughs> and we will uh, talk to you again in a couple of weeks. So send in your questions to Joe Russo Tweets and Joe Russo 1290 on Instagram. And uh, we look forward to sharing our thoughts. Thanks, Mick. If you're enjoying Postmortem, it would be a great, great favor to us for you to rate and review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Uh, you can access all of my video interviews and behind-the-scenes documentaries, things like that, at mickgarrisinterviews.com. Reach us on Twitter at PostmortemMG and on Instagram on PostmortemGram. Thanks a lot for listening. Thanks for listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris. Download new episodes every other Wednesday and subscribe on iTunes. Calling all coffee drinkers. If you've been trying to enhance your daily coffee routine, then Quest has got your back with their brand new iced coffees. Now available in two delightfully delicious flavors that'll be sure to add an extra pep in your step. Vanilla latte and mocha latte. Quest has been on a mission to help fuel you with protein-forward foods you'll love. Each bottle of Quest iced coffee is packed with 200 milligrams of caffeine, the same amount as two cups of regular coffee, plus 10 grams of protein per serving to help you supercharge your day. And did I mention that they only contain one gram of sugar? It might just be time to cheat on your iced coffee with iced coffee. Find Quest iced coffees on Amazon.com slash Quest Nutrition. That's Amazon.com slash Quest Nutrition.